We welcome in our gambler to the stars, Dave Esler. Dave, I promise to be a little more on track than the crazy train we were driving uh, last week when you were on, my friend. How are we doing today? We're doing well. I don't remember the crazy train, so it couldn't have been that far off the track. Well, remember, we we're going to get you out there on the uh, the sandbar for our, you know, our big oh, fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, not all, that's not all that crazy from where you sit, so I, I get it. Yeah, okay. But by the way, we have a couple more fights filling out. Some listeners, uh, we call it listener on listener violence. Uh, some I listeners who um, are trying to defend their home talent baseball honor because they stink are uh, coming after other listeners that call them out. So, Dave, I can't wait to get you up here and to get you on the the mighty Wisconsin River to check you out for these fights on the sandbar. Okay, my brother? I'll do that when the Badgers get a baseball team. Oh, well, I guess we'll never see each other then, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of baseball, Dave, I was chuckling at uh, your Twitter account at Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R. So you had the Blue Jays, I take it, yesterday. And is this accurate? Vlad Jr. hit into a triple play? Grounds yeah, into a first, triple play? Yeah, in the first inning, second and third, no outs. <laughs> was that was that what they could call a bad beat, Dave? No, that was a bad pick. <laughs> hey, but, you know, let, let, let's talk about the money I had the real money on, which was the Astros. I mean, you know, you're, you're making it sound like I don't know what I'm doing. Well, Dave, we start with the bad, then we end with the good. That's what we do around here, my brother. So please tell the fine folks about my my friend Dave Esler had going on. Uh, I had my biggest bet of the year on the Astros last night, who just absolutely crushed the White Sox. But i got to be honest, I don't like losing any, so I actually remember the triple play a whole lot better than the nice win. Uh, that's funny, man. That's funny. Uh, Rowdy, tell Dave what you uh, had picked earlier today in the race. Yeah, head. we ended up going with the Baltimore Orioles in the first five innings just based on the fact that, uh, well, Toronto is kind of uh, sliding, and they haven't seen Zimmerman, and the Orioles just crushed left-handed pitching. You know, I can get behind that because there's, like, zero chance of taking the Orioles for a full game with the potential of that bullpen to melt down. And, uh, you know, I, I like Robbie Ray, um, but, you know, Robbie Ray is one of those feast or famine guys. So I haven't done a whole lot of work on that, but in theory, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, Dave Esser joining us right now. So, all right, all right, there you go, Rowdy. A little, uh, little magic from uh, our friend. Now, now, Dave, I see some people refer to you as Uncle Dave and Diamond Dave. Is there a nickname that you like? Can I call you one? Or, like, what What do you prefer? Well, you have free range to call me whatever you want. I would never, I would never call you anything bad, by the you way. Can, you, can, you can pick a third one if you want. I don't, you know, I, I answer to a lot of things. So, uh, uh, Uncle Dave came around, like, 100 years ago, and it just kind of stuck. And I don't, I, I, the story why would take an hour, and, and I think uh, a Diamond Dave came around a little more recently. I don't. I don't. I answer to everything. Uh, how about uh, our guy in Scotland who's listening says Dapper Dave? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If we were on Zoom right now, you wouldn't really want to use Dapper as the right as the phrase, but uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. It's a beautiful thing around radio, Dave. It's theater of the mind. The most handsome man on radio right now, Dapper Dave, joining us right yeah, now. Yeah, how do you think we've made it so long? Yeah, come on, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, uh, something you're really good at, betting on the NBA, I'm looking at pregame.com, you're crushing it in the NBA playoffs, and you were, uh, when we first had you on, we were uh, uh, previewing a little bit of the series that is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to Game 7 now. I see in one place, Rowdy, what was it, the Nets were f- favored by minus one? Yeah, Nets by one. So, Dave, what do you see happening in this Game 7? Nets, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. To, you know, to your point about who is it a bigger game for? You know, I actually have to think it's a bigger game for Milwaukee. Okay. Because I mean, you know, they've had some pretty um, memorable, in a bad way, times in this series, mm-hmm. and the Nets can use the injury excuse if they lose. The Bucks don't have one. So I have to think it's actually a bigger game for the Bucks as to as to who's going to win. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of telling that uh, Brooklyn at home in a game seven is essentially a pick'em and not favored by some amount. So you know that would almost want to make me consider Milwaukee, um, but um, they I think it opened. Minus one, and now Brooklyn's like minus a half, minus one. Yeah. But the the early tickets are on Brooklyn. I think 67% of the tickets and 72% of the money. But early in the in the in the cycle of betting, because you know there is not a lot of money 
on the game, so it takes less money to move that line. Gotcha. I would be I would be more curious to see what it does come an hour or two before game time. Definitely. So uh, we're going to keep a keen eye on that. Now, Dave, I uh, saw that you uh, on your Twitter account, which is an awesome follow. You're talking a little U.S. Open, talking some units. Uh, you know, from U.S. Open to baseball over the weekend and tonight and the basketball NBA, what's my man Dave Essler eyeing up being like, this is the one that I like? What's Dave Essler like? Well, I, I kind of like both home teams in the NBA tonight. You know, they're both underdogs, both getting a possession. I don't understand why the Utah love when they lost to a Kawhi-less Clippers team at home. You know, the Clippers can be had. Clippers can end the series. And, and yeah, the 76ers blew a 30-point lead at home to Atlanta. But they blew a 30-point lead at home to Atlanta. You know, the Hawks can end this series. So I think taking both home teams in the NBA is, is an absolute worst, a split. I like the Astros over the, over the White Sox again tonight. The early money was all on Rodon and the White Sox. Um, Rodon certainly warrants caution. But teams have thrown lefties at the Astros all year, and, and they're still about 500. Garcia at home is a beast. He's got an ERA of two at home. Uh, if Houston ends up the dog air, which they may, they're winning 64% of their games. And, you know, I, you're Brewers. I have to go there. I'm a little mad at myself because I did like them last night. Uh, not, not because, I mean, I liked the Rockies last night, excuse me, not because I, I really didn't like the Brewers, but the market and the money really said that the Rockies were going to win that game. And I kind of want to take the Rockies' run line tonight. I get that Burns is better than Sensatella, but offensively I think Colorado's the better team. Colorado's five and twenty-seven on the road, but they're twenty-three and fourteen at home. And you know, Sensatella is one of those guys. He's very rare, but he actually has much better numbers in Coors Field than away from it. So I think Coors Field could affect Burns a little bit. So I'm I'm inclined to kind of like the Rockies there a little bit. Well, I think it's Burns' first start ever at Coors Field, and also Dave, the Brewers are the worst hitting team in the majors. They had more errors last night than they had hits. Like I feel like it might be taking candy from a baby for you. I don't know. Well, I'll knock on wood for you. I'll, I'll say it. You don't say it. I'll knock on wood for you, though, okay, brother? Yeah, I mean, candy from a baby is one thing, but, you know, let's remember that Milwaukee is still a sizable favorite. You know, yeah. I, think they're, I think they're minus 190, but that's the Corbin Burns effect. They freaking can't hit the ball. It's like driving me mad. It's, it's like it's so, maddening. So, so, so let me ask you a question. The over-under is 10 and a half. Is that is that not a lot for a Corbin Burns game? Yeah, I'm, I'd hammer the under, Dave. Yeah, especially if uh, Sensatella is better at home. I'm hammering that under. All right, done. Well, I'm gonna hold you to that. And well, how about this? Week. You had a you had a, a gentleman's bet with Nelson a couple weekends ago. I'll have a well, if we're both agreeing on it, I guess we can't really bet on it, can we? I want to do we, a bet with you coming up here one of these days, okay? Okay. Well, you pick it, and I'll tell you if I take the other side. Okay. Well, let me just like I'm going to think of a nickname besides Dapper Dave. I'm going to think of a bet, and I'm going to tweet you, and we're going to get her going on the uh, to the Twitter sphere. And Dave, real quick, could I say it's like taking candy from a baby if I bet on the Arizona Diamondbacks to lose on the road? Uh, you know, do you want to be that guy? <laughs> They've lost 23 straight. They just set. Do you, do you- do you want to be that guy? I'm that guy. That, I'm whatever guy you want me to be, Dave. Do you want to be that guy that bets against them when they finally win that game? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's, like, it's like my golf. You know, I think everybody has a ten dollar to win ticket on Mickelson just because they don't want to be that guy that didn't if he does win. Yeah, I feel you. Hey, Dave. Speaking of golf, my friend. I, okay, I don't really want to be that guy. But speaking, of, do you have some rowdy? No, I'm I'm done with talking golf. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Rowdy was pretty. Rowdy sent me a, a picture of text matches last night, and I said the world's angriest man strikes. Dave, how was I, saw, I, I saw? I saw. I saw that he sent itself too. You know, someone we actually had a we actually had a golf tournament on Monday, and we shot twelve under. Still, we cracked top ten, not even top five. The winning group was minus twenty one, but on that on the course, Nelly wanted to break his club then, but someone wanted to buy it from him. He said no, and ended up doing what he did yesterday. Can you believe the kid? Um, at, at, when I was that age, that would have been a, a good decision that I would have made, too. <laughs> hey, Dave. That, that, now I'd be a little more pragmatic. Yeah. Dave, hit him long, hit him straight today, baby. We going out? We are. We are. All right. Well, I'd, I'd bet against you on the golf course, but, you know, from what you just said a little bit ago, I think you'd bet against yourself, too. Yeah, it depends what hole it is. You know that. <laughs> hey, Dave, have a good weekend, man. We always love your time. We'll keep checking you out at Dave Under right. Wrestler. All right, my friend? You guys, too. Have a great weekend. See you, buddy. We'll see you on that sandbar. There he is, Dave Essler. Dapper Dave. My man. 
and we'll talk more Bucks coming up. Got a lot of time today till 10 o'clock. I got comments from Mike Budenholzer, comments from Chris Middleton, comments from Giannis Dendekumbo. But we'll talk more Bucks. Get the vibe out. I'll get the poll out. But Rowdy, the Brewers. The Brewers, the Ewers. Four in a row they've lost. Brandon Woodruff gave up two dingers in the first one. It was a grand slam. That stunk, dude. Yeah, not only that, but look at the, if you continue to go all the way to the right in their uh, box score column, four errors. And how many hits? Four. And how many hits? It's disgusting. Yeah, but how many hits? Three. Yeah. They had more errors than they had hits. Yeah, and two of those hits were Urias. Yep. Big time Milwaukee Ewers vibe today. Big time Milwaukee Booers vibes today. That's why I was so upset when they couldn't get that win against the Reds in the third game of the series where they literally punted and and played every single backup possible, essentially. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you look at the pitching matchups, and Colorado plays good at home, even though they're they're a bottom feeder team. Yeah, they're a they good play home good at home. And you had Woodruff, and you had Burns. Like to be completely honest, going into that series, I was thinking, okay, I'm hoping for a split in these four games. In yeah. these four games, just because of how it broke out, mm-hmm. you couldn't even get a you couldn't even get a win when your best pitcher was on the mound. You punted on your third game of the series against Cincinnati. This is why this team is literally going to make you rip your hair out all year long. <sighs> it's going to be a long season for you, Rowdy. You, sp- you specifically in the first. As uh, after, the, uh, after the Grand Slam was given up, there were some choice words from Nelly in the DM group. Um, I won't, I won't, we won't risk it again with those words today, Rowdy. But, yeah, it was tough to see. as The, the Grand Slam for the Milwaukee Brewers, tough, dude. The Brewers are now tied with the Nationals. For the most Grand Slam served up this season. They're right now sitting at six after that first inning Grand Slam from Brandon Woodruff or off of Brandon Woodruff. The Brewers' record for Grand Slams allowed in a season is 10, and that was in the year of 2010. The Brewers are already at six. We're not even halfway through the season yet. That was, uh, that was tough going from the Brewers last night. It was so, the offense is so bad. So bad. Three hits, four errors. How was that rowdy? What the? I don't even. I don't even know what to say about the Brewers right now. Besides, you know, the low hanging fruit is fire. Andy Haynes and yada yada yada. Didn't? Uh, isn't our old friend uh, the former hitting coach out there available now? Darnell Coles. Yeah, isn't he, he out is. there? He was relieved of his duties with the Arizona Diamondbacks like a week or two ago. And the Diamondbacks aren't the worst. The Diamondbacks aren't the worst hitting team in the majors, right? No, they're like middle of the pack. Who's who's one of the worst hitting teams in the majors? That would be the Milwaukee Brewers. Aren't they? Aren't they? Aren't they the worst? Uh, off, I know of off right-handed pitchers. They're the worst overall too. <laughs> so you have the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are middle of the road of hitting the ball. They let go. The Brewers don't discriminate on how bad they're going to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right or left, it doesn't matter. But Brody, correct me if I'm wrong. You just said the Arizona Diamondbacks, middle of the road for hitting, right? And they let go of their hitting coach, right? Correct. The Brewers are last, dead last, in the majors at hitting. And I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Andy Haynes like a, a raise. But he's still on the staff, right? What what's what what is happening around here? What's going on? And uh our buddy, let's see, last night I got a message, a tweet from Kugzi Bear, our, one of our listeners, Alex. Uh he said, and I quote, and somehow Yardley is still pitching in the bigs. Yeah, that guy's trash. Eric Yardley. Two-thirds of an inning pitch, three hits, one earned run, but two runs. Arizona has nowhere near the star power or the talent hitting the baseball that the Milwaukee Brewers do when you go right down the order, when you go right down one through ten. Yet Arizona's the 19th best hitting team in baseball. And they fired their hitting coach. The Milwaukee Brewers are 30th. That's last. Dead last. That's dead and it, last. And it's now officially dead last. Like it's it like used how, to be they were like neck and neck with the Mariners, and one day if they had a good game or a good series, they'd be in second to last, and the yeah. Mariners would be in last. Well, they're just in last by far by themselves now. They're 30th batting 208 as a team. The Seattle Mariners are now 29th, and they have a nice little cushion on the Brewers at 214. What? And what? Then, and then just just for fun, the third best or the third worst hitting team in baseball is the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. 
And there's quite a gap between 30th, 29th, and 28th. Cardinals are 28th in the league. They're hitting 228. Wow. So 28th is 228. 29th in the Seattle Mariners is 214. And 30th in the Milwaukee Brewers is 208. <laughs> That's just bad. That's... They're 20 points behind 28th place. And you know, and you got to throw this on with all the Major League Baseball cracking down on the illegal substance, the spider tag, the pine tar, the sticky stuff. They've been saying these past couple of weeks with uh, teams and players realizing that suspensions could be looming if you get caught with this stuff, that the batting averages have been going up across the majors, except if your name, I guess, is the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, since since all those have come out, the Milwaukee Brewers have actually dropped three points. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We had the stat. like The, the batting average of, all, of Major League Baseball has, has gone up. I think within the last week before this losing streak, the Brewers got as high as 212. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. Well, when you look at it, number one in the league, Houston Astros, they're batting 275 as a team. 275. 275. That's pretty pretty good. Yeah. The Milwaukee Brewers are last at 208. Oh my god. Look at the difference if you had a if you had a player playing that's hitting 275 versus 208. And the, the, that's 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 quite a difference. And the whole mind F about it all is the Cardinals were how much are the Cardinals above them? You said how many points? Twenty points, and they're in twenty eighth place. The Cardinals are thirty five and thirty four, second to last in the NL Central. The Brewers, unfortunately, because the Cubs lost or Cubs won last night, and the Brewers lost. The Brewers have now dropped the second in the NL Central at thirty eight and thirty one. Cubbies are thirty nine and thirty. They avoid the getting swept. I think it was by the Mets. For the Brewers to reach the middle of the pack in Major League Baseball for hitting, they'll have to raise their team batting average by thirty points. Oh my God, thirty points, and we're already into nearly the middle of the season. Wow! At the end of June, we're halfway done with baseball. That's. We have a question here, Rowdy. True advisor, our guy on Twitch.tv. He says, if we fall below two hundred, does Andy Haynes get a contract extension? <laughs> Probably. When are we get Coles back, dude? When the he was there, the Brewers were crushing it. Well, here's the thing: if you hire not even Darnell Coles, but if you hire anybody, you can't get worse. No, you can't get worse. You're last. You're the worst team in baseball. You can't. You have only where to go but up. Do you think if they were just to fire Andy Haynes and didn't hire anyone, they they could go up? My God, that's just crazy. Better odds of them going up than down. Oh my! That's just wow. That's just wow. Uh, comments also, training camp or mandatory minicamp is over for the Green Bay Packers. Head coach Matt LaFleur had some things to say for Jordan Lev and the rest of his team. Got to talk some Packers. Yes. Yeah, did you hear that uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't make it? What? Yeah, he didn't show up. I wasn't even going to bring up his name. Look didn't at, show up. Look at Rowdy dropping the bomb on us. I did not realize that Rodgers was not at man. Are you serious? Rodgers was not at mandatory minicamp? I know not many uh, journalists are in there anymore. They're not allowed in as much. What? Because of COVID. But yeah, he didn't show up. Next, you're going to tell me the Brewers are last in uh, hitting in all the majors. Oh, wait. They are. We already talked about that. Rodgers didn't show up. Wow. That's crazy. But comments from Matt LaFleur on the state of the actual team, Sands Rodgers. Got comments from him. Heard he was in Hawaii, but the last time he did an interview, it was uh, blurred out, so not exactly sure where he was. Yeah, it's blurred out. Rumor is he was uh, musky fishing on the Madison chains. <laughs> what a game last night. Giannis Adendokounmpo doesn't shoot a three-pointer. Hits how much percentage of his free throws, Rowdy? 60. 60% of his free throws. Chris Middleton scores 38 points on 16 shots. That's the that's what you paid that man for right there. As the Bucks, Giannis... Middleton, Drew Holiday, the ca- the the starting five really just got her done because the bench only covered for four points. The starting five and the deer put the foot down on the throat and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna show it that we have some life. We're not some CWD deer just you know wandering around the woods. No, we're that mighty buck, that thirty point buck ready to gore you if you get in our way. So the Bucks force a game seven. They go out now to uh, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, to get it going with the deer. I uh, can't wait. And, yeah, we have uh, the king. The king on Twitch.tv says, I saw Wonder Boy was in the stands at the Bucks game. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, Rowdy, in the stands watching the Milwaukee Bucks. Where's no minority owner Aaron Rodgers? No, Aaron Rodgers, who is a minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, still nowhere to be found. 
as all kinds of, uh, you know, Packers are there, people all across, you know, the state of Wisconsin have ties here. No, Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Unbelievable. Let's go to the phone. Who's this? What do you do now? Just putting you on hold. All right. So, Rowdy, the Milwaukee Bucks, we were asking the question, who is this more an important game for? The Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks? Now, our gambler to the stars, Dave Essler, said, I have to disagree with you guys because we kind of were going Nets. Oh, I said the Bucks. Or, or did you? Yeah, the Bucks. Remember because I said. Oh, who said someone? Did someone say the Nets? Yeah, you and RJ. Okay, yeah, I did say Because I was saying how the Bucks, they've still been a franchise located in Milwaukee the whole time. Brooklyn took a long period off, so they didn't have the ability to win. Mm hmm. The Bucks just—they've been there. They just haven't been good. I was thinking this way: the higher seed if they broke the Nets. You invested in you know your big three: Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. You brought in Steve Nash. You know you got other cast of characters coming in that want to glom on and hopefully ring chase if you're a, a Brooklyn Net. And you know you got a team that hasn't really been in the area for a while. But then when you take a step back and look at it. Steve Nash isn't going anywhere. That's a first-year head coach. Kevin Durant's not going Kevin anywhere. Durant ain't going anywhere. You don't want Kyrie Irving or James Harden going anywhere. But if the Milwaukee Bucks fail yet again, you really have to question, is Booty the man for the job? Yeah, because Can you win with Chris Middleton? Can you win with this current roster? Yeah, to your point, I mean, you got Giannis Dendekumo, the Greek freak, who you gave the Supermax to. That is your franchise. That's the guy that you're going to build around. Well, he really wanted Chris Middleton. So you gave Chris Middleton the big-time money. And Chris Middleton staying around. Then you bring in Drew Holiday to be that answer over Eric Bledsoe, who was formerly with the Milwaukee Bucks, who always disappeared in the playoffs. And then you have, you know, you brought in Mike Budenholzer, this new coach, breath of fresh air, you know, after Jason Kidd and then a little bit of Joe Prunty, who was just the, the interim. So you have Mike Budenholzer here, who's always kind of, this, this has chased him, right? And it's time with Atlanta, who would get number one seeds. And, you know, then once they get to the playoffs, you wouldn't make the adjustments, and then they could never win the big game. Then pfft, he's done. You know, Hawks are done. You bring in Mike Budenholzer. If Booty doesn't get out, well, I don't even think if he gets if Booty doesn't get to an NBA Finals, I think he's fired. Right? I think he should be. Yeah. So, well, he should have been last year. Steve Nash for the Brooklyn Nets, the head coach. He's not going anywhere. It's a first year head coach, and look at the success they're having. You know, as you said, Kevin Durant ain't going anywhere. They're going to try and keep these guys together. They have a nice thing going. The Milwaukee Bucks are the ones that really have to take a look at their franchise or organization, how they're you know constructed, and then if they do lose this series, which I obviously hope they don't, but if they don't make it to the NBA Finals, when you have a supermax coming to Giannis Dendekumbo, back-to-back MVP, you have to take a long, hard look at yourself and say, what are we and what are we trying to accomplish with the pieces that we have around us? Rowdy, you were looking at, and we were, you were looking about Bucks contracts yesterday. Remember that saying like I don't know this doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't um, you know what was it with George Hill when they brought him in and then deferred a bunch of money then they're deferring a bunch of money then they're deferring a bunch of money tell the fine folks about the contract coming up or the contracts or lack thereof of deferred money and if they're trying to get other pieces in well yeah the Bucks have gotten out from within some of those deferred contracts finally but if it feels like the last handful of years that's they had so much deferred money for players that frankly just weren't that good or were here for just very short time periods. Mm-hmm. Well, they finally got out from under the majority of it. And when you look at their their salary structure, they're not they're still just not going to have that much money next year unless the cap all of a sudden just explodes, which I don't think it's going to. No. And so you look at it, that's minimal minimal opportunities to improve the roster without drastically changing it. Yeah, because how much money will they have freed up next year? Yeah, it was like between seven or eight million that they could still spend. And that's they're already over the cap. Yeah, they're over the cap. But that's the luxury tax. Now they're still playing Larry Sanders till next year, right? They still have to pay John Lure another year, and they still have to pay Larry Sanders another, another year. year. Okay, so there, there's one more year of John Lure. And if, and if they didn't Larry add Sanders. any deferred contracts, they would finally get out from all of those contracts after next season. And even if they get out of it, it was that $7 million, right? Like, No, if they get rid of those, that's like another, I think it was like five. Oh, okay. But still, how? who are you going to be bringing in? Yeah, well... Regardless, whether whether you were out from those contract and it went from seven to twelve million, 
You can't get a James Harden or a Kyrie Irving for $12 million in today's NBA. I think the average NBA contract right now is just south of $8 million. And some would argue even if you had that money available, it'd still be hard to get someone like that because they wouldn't want to play in Milwaukee. There's, we've had many players like a James Harden. Remember when James Harden's other people like, we need to go get James Harden, James Harden. I was one of them. And James Harden's probably like, no, he actually said he was interested in the Bucks. Really? Because, God, him and Giannis do not get along. I know, like, Clay Thompson, who you're high on, he's like, I wake up every day and thank God the Bucks never drafted me. I'll never come there. Uh, James Harden last night was just up in arms over Giannis Adendokounmpo. Remember when Giannis was winning his first MVP or about to win his first MVP and him and James Harden, James Harden was just going off about how Giannis, I think James Harden went a long ways when we did D-Bag of the Week and our ultimate D-Bag bracket because he was just saying how Giannis shouldn't be MVP, it should be him. Uh, yada, yada, yada. James Harden and Giannis, I don't think they like each other. Or James Harden doesn't care for Giannis too much. If you saw it yesterday, if you're watching, when Giannis was up at the free throw line, James Harden was just like up in arms. As a lot of people well, are because Giannis is It doesn't have struggle. to be specifically James Harden, but a player yeah, with that yeah, type of saying, skill though. set. Yes. All right, so on Game 7, I'm looking at the Twitter poll right now. I just put it out at Zone Madison. It's, it's an easy one. You have two options. With the Game 7 at Barclays Center... Tomorrow night, simple. Who do you think is going to win? What What are you feeling? Bucks win or Nets win? Right now, Rowdy, 127 votes in so far in this young poll. 53% of the vote, it has switched. Going with the Brooklyn Nets. Man. Yeah, that's where I put my vote. <laughs> Here, let's, let's see if we can change not Rowdy's vote, but other people's votes if they haven't voted yet. Giannis said they're, they are built for moments like this Game 7. We gotta go to uh, Brooklyn and try to get one more. You know, as I've said all year long, we're built for this moment. Simple as that. And nobody says it's gonna be easy. Might be hard, but uh, we are we we are capable of doing it. They are capable if they play like they did last night. Obviously, they won't have the home crowd because they're at the Barclays Center. But if they play like they did last night, where Giannis doesn't attempt threes, they attack a somewhat hobbled James Harden, they dominate the paint, and your number two Chris Middleton shows up to alleviate Giannis. And his pressure, then my God, they could do it. Giannis says they need to have one more game under their belt, keep it moving forward. Game three, we played a great game. Game four, we played a great game. Game five, great game. Game six, great game. We just got to keep believing, keep attacking, keep competing together, keep defending together. We just need to be in a position that we can win the game and we're going to be fine. One more from Giannis talking about the good games they played since being down 0-2. Remember that ass-kicking when they got beat by 39 points in Game 2. Here's more from Giannis. Since Game 3 until Game 6, we've played four great games. Four great games, and uh, we just got to keep doing Keep trusting one another, keep trusting our habits, uh, keep making it tough for them. Uh, unfortunately, Game 5 didn't go our, our way, but it was a good game. We pushed them to the limits. I mean, you needed, if you want to look at the glass half full approach of game five, you needed a historic performance from James Harden, one of the greatest performances ever to beat you. The Bucs had, had their chances. Giannis kind of fumbled it away at the end. Chris Middleton was nowhere to be found in the final eight minutes, but they were there. And Kevin Durant, the Slim Reaper, needed a game for the ages to do it. Here's more from Chris Middleton, or some from Chris Middleton, saying they, are, they remain confident despite the pressure being high. Confidence has always been high, um, win or loss. You know, never get too high, never get too low. That's the main thing in the NBA season, especially in the playoffs. Um, you got to be able to bounce back and stay strong. But, you know, we haven't run on the road yet, and that's the only way we knew we were going to win this series if we get it and win on the road. And, you know, it's coming down to the last game. No one's won on the road yet, Rowdy. Can the Bucks do it Saturday? Chris Middleton says they don't feel any pressure despite the high stakes. I don't think about any type of pressure at all. It's a basketball game. You know, as simple as that. I mean, I know it's lose or you go home, but at the same time, it's just basketball. You know, we got to have fun with it. And those moments are fun when, you know, um, the game's on the line. You know, I, I, I think, you know, fans don't really see the real talking trash or, you know, the real competitive spirit in open gyms during the summer times when games are close and guys got to get kicked out the court. But, you know, that's a lot where it starts. Um, and that's all, you know, I go to in my mind is just thinking about, you know, summer workouts, summertime, having fun. Um, but now it's just an official um, building with people watching. I mean, you got to be loose, got to be easy, because if you're not walking on eggshells in your nerves, you get in your own head. Yeah, so. I'll be completely honest. I don't buy that from Chris Middleton. 
everyone's nervous. It's just how do you handle the pressure? Everyone knows that this is a huge game. Yep. How do you handle the pressure? There's but, reputations on the line. There's stakes on the line. There's money on the line. With Middleton's track record, uh, to say that he feels loose and doesn't think about it, I'm going to disagree with that. Well, Middleton had a big night last night. 38 points. He was a beast. Here's uh, Cash on his performance. Um, trying to read the defense, you know. I think, uh, you know, I think I really knew when to drive it, uh, when to attack who. Um, when sometimes just make a simple play. I think that's what it's all about tonight, just being solid and being patient but playing with pace at the same time. 16 shots, 38 points. Chris Middleton, very effective night. Now check this out. Here's a, You're going to hear a reporter ask Chris Middleton a question, and, it's, and Middleton's going to be like, what? Just just listen to the question Chris Middleton was asked if they can go toe-to-toe with Brooklyn Stars in Game 7. Just just listen to this. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about Brooklyn's Big 3. It's been a little bit different for this series because of the injuries. But you and Giannis and Drew uh, scored as many points as, as Brooklyn's entire team tonight. Um, you guys feel you can go toe-to-toe and eyeball-to-eyeball with, with their three stars? I mean, I, I I don't know what you expect me to say. I, mean, <laughs> I guess I probably wouldn't say no. <laughs> Man, it, it don't matter. Win or lose, we, we think we could beat anybody. Just like, like any team, it doesn't matter who who's who. We're all NBA players. So, I mean, yeah. Hey, I know you and Giannis just scored. Or you, Giannis, and Drew Holiday just scored more than their team combined. So, do you think you could go toe-to-toe with them? Like, what kind of question is that from that guy? I'd love to know who that guy is. What kind of question was that? Middleton's just like a good one. Middleton's like, I, I, what we, do you want me to say? We just did it. We, we literally just did it. What do you want me to say here? Uh, that was just a hilarious and sad question from uh, the big J, whoever it is, who thinks they're smarter and better than a lot of people. He's now a little J. <laughs> yeah, he just got demoted, dude. Big J to a little J. We're not even going to dot your lowercase J. You don't deserve it anymore. Oh, crazy. All right, and then real quick, Mike Budenholzer talks about being ready for Game 7. I think our group was loose going into, you know, second question. I think our group's loose. They're confident. Um, and I think they have a good balance. When it's time to work, they work, and, uh, you know, they enjoy each other. And, um, and I think it's, it's a good balance of, of being loose and confident and ready to play. So Mike Budenholzer, we're not going to hear he's like a robot up on the podium, but I wanted to play one this, this clip here from P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, Audi. That guy is a. If you want to look at anyone on the Milwaukee box and like this guy's a dog, PJ Tucker is that dude. He is a dog. If you were going to just a, a throw down fisticuffs, if I were to pick anyone on the box to fight someone, it would be I'm taking PJ Tucker as my fighter. Like I'm picking for Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. I'm picking PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker talks about being in the playoffs. He dreams about it. And he would die on the court before backing down to Kevin Durant or anyone else. Take a listen. It's, it's the playoffs, man. Like, I don't know what people think. Like we dream about this our whole lives. Like I, I dream about being in the playoffs, guarding the best player in the world. Like that's, that's like this is what like we like. I'm, I'll die out there. Like I'm. This is I'm living my dream. I'm not backing down from nothing. I'm fighting for every inch. I love now. That's that's the comments I like to hear. Well, that's why the Bucks acquired him and and Bobby Portis yeah. for those type of takes and for that type of play. I would. I'm gonna. He said he's gonna die out there before he backs down. You got other guys saying, you know, I'm not getting too high. I'm not getting too low. I'm just gonna say even keeled. I don't feel any pressure. And then you have this. It's, it's the playoffs, man. Like, I don't know what people think. Like we dream about this our whole lives. Like I, I dream about being in the playoffs. Guarding the best player in the world, like that's, that's like this is what like we like. I'm, I'll die out there. Like I'm, this is I'm living my dream. I'm not backing down from nothing. I'm fighting for every inch. I definitely fall more in the camp of PJ Tucker than in Chris Middleton. I don't get too high. I don't get too low. <laughs> Same. I'm right there with PJ Tucker. Living the dream. Love every second of it. And friggin' rowdy like PJ Tucker will die in the court. I'm gonna die on these airwaves, baby. Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach, is at the Milwaukee Bucks game last night. Saw him on uh, the podium. Here's the thing. Before we get to comments from Matt LaFleur, his mandatory minicamp is over. Head coach Matt LaFleur was not courtside. Head coach Matt LaFleur was like kind of up in the first section, like the, the floor section, but he was up a little bit. Do you think minority owner Aaron Rodgers, who was not in attendance, 
said, okay, I'll, I'll allow Matt LaFleur to go, but there's no way he can be courtside. We're going to put him up a little bit up in the stands. He was not even courtside rowdy. He's seen Zadarius Smith courtside, Aaron Jones courtside, all kinds of other packages. Maybe he didn't want to be courtside. <laughs> that, that could be the case because Matt LaFleur is kind of a guy that likes to, uh, you know, kind of just lay in the weeds a little bit. I don't think he's a guy that likes the limelight as much as the players do. But, yeah, he was not courtside. I was like, for being the Packers head coach and knowing people, you're kind of – you kind of your seats kind of suck. I mean, they're still good seats. Don't get me wrong, but your seats kind of suck from the who you are. You know Can't say I've ever sat courtside, but maybe maybe it's not the greatest view. It's <laughs> I don't know. Probably a, never will sit courtside. If you're sitting courtside, I've done it once, but it was like a preseason game. There's a lot of this rowdy looking up because when you get in person to an NBA game, the guys obviously are huge. When you look at on the TV. They look big, obviously, but in person, you're literally just like your neck is cranked, like you're looking up. You so know, it's like sitting in the front row at the movie, movie theater. theater. Exactly, that sounds you're just, terrible. You're just kind of looking up a bunch. You're like, damn, these guys are like these guys are tall, giants. All right. So speaking of Matt Lafleur, not not his subpar seats. I think I don't think Rogers went out of his way to make sure he couldn't be courtside. But who knows? Conspiracy theory Friday. Rogers did it. But Matt Lafleur. After a mandatory minicamp is over, he had a message to Jordan Love as he uh, leaves for the summer because they're going to get training camp going underway late July. So Matt LaFleur has this message for Jordan Love leaving for you know a little hiatus here. It's the same message it's been all the time. Is I mean, you're only one play away, so you always have to prepare like you're the starter. And just to be very intentional about the work that you put in, to go out there with a purpose, to be mindful in, in the moment. So hopefully, Rowdy, Jordan Love's out there perfecting his craft and not doing like what a lot of Packers and NFL players around the league seemingly do during this little hiatus, get in trouble. There's been many times where, what, uh, for some reason, Andrew Corliss already tr- dropped in my head where he was firing a gun in a parking ramp in Florida to try to impress two women and then hid the gun in a planter pot. And then the police found it and they're like, what are you doing? Or Johnny Jolly getting caught with a <laughs> yeah, scissor. Yeah, Johnny Jolly was the one that came to getting mind Getting caught with the purple drank. Or Zadarius Smith, uh, Rashawn Gary, and... Was it Preston Smith? I don't... I, there was three of them. There's three of them. They got caught with the weed in the trunk, which it should be legal, but... I think they got it from uh, in Illinois, where it is legal, and then they got popped in Wisconsin. Or, I mean, there's been a bunch of DUIs. You know, I think Aaron Jones got popped a couple of years ago with this the devil's lettuce. So let's just, if we're going to do some nefarious activities, let's just make sure we got, like, a driver or someone who's a fall guy, you know? It was like when Zadarius Smith, like, took the hit for the weed. He's a veteran. Rashawn Gary was in the car with him. He was a rookie at the time. Rashawn Gary should have been your fall guy. Zadarius was like, yeah, it was, it's on me. All right, so more from head coach Matt LaFleur talking about the uncertainty at the quarterback position right now. You just got to take it day by day in, in terms of everything else that's going out there and, and control the things that you can control. And that's, you know, the attitude, the, how you prepare and the effort that you give on a daily basis. Also, I was asked a question, Rowdy. Uh, where was I the other day? I was out and about doing something. Oh, yeah. I was up in a uh, little slice of heaven, Edgerton, Wisconsin. I was back at my uncle's cabin because I had some family up from North Carolina. And his girlfriend actually is from Italy. She's she's just now kind of getting into American football, as she, as she calls it, as it is. And she's like, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? And why did they bring in all the quarterbacks to camp? Like I was asked, Rowdy, why there's so many quarterbacks? I'm like, well, that's what they normally do. They bring in a bunch of bodies just for competition, and then the chips fall where they may. Usually those guys are just off and sitting on their couch by the season's open. Uh, here's more from LaFleur on the quarterbacks in camp. I think the other guys, in, in terms of just their knowledge, have really been into it. You know, it is a little bit more difficult when you're not getting many reps, and you gotta you just got to make the most of, out of every opportunity when you get those. And I do think that guys have done a great job of, of being prepared for those moments. And one more from LaFleur quick on the quarterback position saying every rep that Love gets is critical because why, Rowdy? Last year, Love didn't get any reps, right? Yeah, I think it was LaFleur that said in one of his earlier press conferences that Jordan Love really only got one to two snaps a practice with the ones. <laughs> and now Jordan Love is QB1. And let's not forget that there was no preseason and there was no real training camp before that either. Yep. Obviously, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Rodgers didn't show up. 
So every rep for love is critical, says Matt LaFleur. I think he's done a great job of embracing just the whole situation, embracing learning from every rep. Uh, one thing we talked about, you know, after Tuesday's practice is, hey, man, you're going to have some great days and then you're going to have some days that aren't as great. And you got to be able to ride that wave. You're never too high. You're never too low. And just making sure that you learn from each and every rep. And I think he's done a really good job of that. All right, 608-321-1670. That's the phone line. I see you blowing up one second. I'll get to you. But LaFleur talks a little bit more about love saying, hey, He's been looking good at times, but there's still a lot to learn for the young QB. Ultimately, it's going to be just how do you take, you know, the classroom to individual, individual to the team drills, and then get in the opportunity to to go out there in the preseason and, and show what he can do. And believe it or not, LaFleur was asked one thing, Rowdy. You know about you know who, right? It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Correct. LaFleur was asked about Rodgers and if there's a plan for training camp if Rodgers is not there. Well, here's the head coach. We've got what we feel is a pretty good blueprint in terms of how to get our guys ready to play. Obviously, it is a little bit different this year uh, in terms of the number of preseason games and then you compare it to last year, so you're kind of leaning back on the 2019 season. But you know, we feel confident with what we'll have in place with the guys, and we'll look forward to getting them back uh, July 27th. See, Lafleur wants nothing to do with yeah. Any that was of great. Stuff. I was going to say that was great coach speak. Lafleur, Lafleur <laughs> is like, I do not want to be asked about this. Don't even bother me with it. But he doesn't say it, but he says it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He goes, Well, we have a blueprint for that. Yeah. He's like, Would you just shut up about? I bet you his mind like, just shut up about it. Then says everything he can to step around the Aaron Rodgers issue. I would like to get him like behind closed doors. He like goes home. He's like, those those effing big J's, man. Just shut up about Rodgers, okay? Just shut, just, just shut it. Uh, real quick, Matt Lafleur. God, Matt Lafleur does talk about uh, more than just the quarterback position. He talks about looking forward to starting things in uh, late July when training camp gets underway. Training camp, we're excited about this football team. I think the character of this team is really high. I think, you know, the challenge is can you recreate that magic that, you know, we've been able to the last couple of years and become a close-knit, connected team with with great player leadership. And But, no, we're excited about just what the future could hold. And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, riveting. But, Rowdy, when we had uh, Rob Reichel on, I think at this time yesterday. Yeah, it was. I at eight thirty two. I remember asking him because we we're done with the Rodgers conversation. I'm like, well, what else is impressing you about the Green Bay Packers? That's you know, take aside the Rodgers situation. And Robbie was saying that this is going to be a top ten defense. Yeah, he was he was thrilled with the defense, what it looked like, and in his opinion, he thought obviously Zadarius Smith had cemented himself as one of the better uh, outside linebackers edge rushers in the NFL yep. and that he was expecting more from Preston Smith and he was expecting Rashawn Gary to continue to get better and better. Yeah. He was basically raving about all the younger players that he anticipated to continue to get better and show that they are going to be a top 10 defense. Yeah. So here's LaFleur talking about on the defense and how they're learning Joe Barry, yes, the new defensive coordinator system. Well, I think the foundation's been laid. Our guys did a nice job of picking it up as quickly as possible. There are some similarities to what we've done in the past. I think Joe's done a nice job of incorporating like terms, so it's not a totally new system for our guys. And I think our assistant coaches have done a great job of knowing the ins and outs and the details and being able to convey that and communicate that to our players. There's no harder job in uh, all of Wisconsin sports than being the Packers defensive coordinator because every year Packer fans, well, more specifically cheeseheads, want your head on a stake and they want you fired. You're fired. Yeah, we'll we'll see how much they enjoy Joe Barry by about game four. Yep, especially if the defense doesn't look a whole lot different. Yep, and uh, all you can I can, all I can think of sometimes when I hear Joe Barry is him being the DC for the Lions when they went zero and sixteen. Well, that, that was, was a long thing. time ago. That was the thing with Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin obviously made that defense. Well, first we have to start with Brian Gutekunst upgraded that defensive roster. Yes. The, the roster was better than what they had before. Correct. So that's going to make the defense better just in general. But then I think you can say that Mike Pettin and some of the schemes and defensive systems that he brought also made the Elevated defense it. better and raised it. Correct. But there were just some things with Mike Pettin that you couldn't unsee. Yeah. And it was some of those plays, like we talk about the Kevin King, which it wasn't the... 
obviously we're going to point at the Kevin King play, but it's not like Mike Patton did markedly better, obviously, than Dom Capers. Of course. And Dom Capers obviously did well when he first got to Green Bay, but he also had a lot of talent. Then, yeah, then he got sniffed out and the talent became less as well. Exactly. And then he didn't really seem to want to make too many adjustments. Same stuff with just lesser players. But for Patton, the talent was work. good. The talent got better. Talent got better, but there were things that you couldn't unsee. Like, we all pointed, that's what I was getting at, was the Kevin King play, right? Yeah, but there's, well, more, there's more to it. Kevin King, obviously... That was some on the player, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like Kevin King totally had a terrible one play right before the half. Yes. But the reason why he was in that position was because of the defense that Petten called. Yep. They were in man defense, and it was basically one-on-one coverage. I mean, that should have been a zone coverage. Like, no, they weren't going to. There was not enough time so, to Rowdy, really do anything. Does Mike Petten or does Mike Budenholzer have shades of Mike Petten? I know Booty's the head coach, and Mike Petten's a DC, but Petten making the team better, but there were still glaring issues where you're like, well, I can't unsee this. They have to make a change. I think it's kind of shades of Mike Petten a little, or uh, Mike Budenholzer a little bit. Well, also guys that are very respected in their um, careers and in what they do, but they're also guys that never have been able to really win it all. Yeah. And here's one more comment from uh, head coach Matt LaFleur saying time will tell on the defense. Really excited about where it could go, but we'll find out week one. You know, you, you got to go out there and, and earn it each and every week. And there's uh, a long time between now and then and a lot can happen. So, but I think that we've laid a great foundation for them to come back into training camp and, and really build upon what we've done this off season. Right, there you go. Comments and I mean, LaFleur. if you look at the track records between Mike Petton and Joe Barry, Mike Petton's got the better track record. Oh, yeah. And there's no doubt about it. No doubt. Like, Barry had DC'd some of the worst defenses in the league when he was with Washington and, and Detroit. And the Lions. Oof, Mike Petton, on the other hand, has been on some really good defensive teams and has been with some really good defensive coaches. Yep. Joe Barry, you got your work cut out for you, brother. And you also have the cloud hanging over you that Jimmy Leonard... Who interviewed twice and was basically given the job, said no, and you were the second option. Hey, and sometimes all it takes is a change. We, we've talked about, yep. you talked about uh, Budenholzer. How about just another NBA comparison? Dwayne Casey, he was coach of the year with the Toronto Raptors. And then what happened to him? Out for Nick Nurse, who ended You're up fired. coming in and winning the championship. Is yep. Nick Nurse a better co- uh, coach than Dwayne Casey? Maybe, maybe not, but they, they needed a change. They needed a change, look what happened. There you go. Little head coach, Matt LeFleur. There's life, baby. We're alive. Never doubted it. Never doubted it once that the Bucks would win game six. Especially the Pfizer form. No one's won on the road yet. So, of course, I never doubted it. Chris Middleton. That's why you pay him the big bucks. Giannis Adenakumbo, that's why you pay him the big bucks. Drew Holiday, that's why you brought him in. The big three for the Milwaukee Bucks getting it done. And P.J. Tucker, who after the game said he would die out on the court before standing down to Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. You love to see it. And then, you know, Splash Mountain, too, uh, contributing some good stuff. So the Bucks, the Bucks big five is what it was all about. So we'll talk some bucks coming up. Now we're calling them the big five. Well, I mean, <laughs> the bench accounted for what? Four points. The bench accounted for four points. Two from Thanasis and two from Forbes. We we went from asking about... <laughs> the big five. Yeah, we, we here's the bucks timeline this year. We go from talking about... Um, you know, Middleton and Giannis, if they can be the big two that can get it done. Then obviously Holiday joins in there, so now it's uh their three. And now by the end of the series, we're talking about a Bucks big five. The big five, baby. Don't ever confuse it. Never doubted it once. <laughs> Never doubted it once. All right, before we dive more into this. I think that'd be the first time in their lives <laughs> that Lopez and Tucker would be considered a big anything. Hey, well, the, they all, well, Lopez has always been big, right? No, He's no, like I seven meant one. like in a big three or a big whatever. Listen, the bench only had four points. It was two from Thanasis in five minutes and two from Forbes in 11 minutes. I know Pat Connaughton was there a little bit, but he didn't score anything. He's four for five. As long as Giannis doesn't shoot the three ball and he actually made 60% of his free throws, Okay, we're feeling it. Giannis, just attack, attack, attack. Get down low and get her done. Before we get more into this, I have something that's alarming. Folks, there is a crisis happening at Culver's. Rowdy, you can get Butterburgers. 
You can get your crinkle cut fries. You can get all your custard till you, you know, you get fat and sassy and maybe become lactose intolerant. But check this out. You can't get chicken tenders. Apparently, it's a limited supply. There's a nationwide shortage of chicken, and it is now affecting our beloved Culver's. The scarcity is caused by more than just a couple factors. Some is pandemic-related, some not. But they also say the ice storms that happened in Texas in February. You can't get chicken tenders right now at Culver's. Culver's tweeted out, due to the recent market conditions with the chicken category, we were temporarily out of buffalo tenders. Oh, my God. Our team members are happy to help guests find other delicious items on our extensive menu to enjoy, but we apologize for the inconvenience. Man, what was that? Buffalo wild wings and chicken wings? Uh Now you can't get chicken tenders? Uh Uh-oh. Panic. I feel feel thankful. I had chicken tenders last night, but it wasn't at Culver's. (laughs) Who knows how much longer you can have your chicken tenders? Listen, here's the thing. I ain't going to Culver's for chicken tenders, though. I'm going to Culver's for the butter burger. For sure. That's 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 what I'm going to Culver's for. It, chicken tenders, I get it. That's tough if you're a Tendy fan. But what I'm going to Culver's for is what literally butters their bread. Do you remember, the butter burger. Was it last spring? I I think it was last wasn't it last spring, last summer, where there was like a big bottleneck for um butter burgers? No, like livestock. Like was it? Oh, because there's plant. No, yeah, there's plants shutting down because yeah. there was. Uh, they had With, like COVID outbreaks. Yeah, yeah. So Wasn't there, there was, like a bottleneck. Yeah, and then like people were going to, which you should be doing anyways, is getting from local farmers a local meat. Uh, Culver's does that though. But there was, uh, I think, butcher shops were like were like booked out for like two years. Remember we had Pam Yankee on the fabulous yeah, farm yeah. day, and she's like, you literally couldn't get a cow butchered. Well, for and like she was the like next telling, two years. She was telling like hunters that if you plan on getting like a deer. Go sign up now to get it in. So by like October, November, when you actually get said deer, yeah, you can get it in. Yeah. So there you go. I I I, I think still think they're booked out. Yeah, I mean, I they, think, they took everyone's reservations. So I yeah, think they still be that's out. that's where some of the chicken tenders and chicken wing stuff is still stemming from. <laughs> Stop it, King. Culver's chicken tenders aren't that good. Stop. You're a guy that likes D- Dairy Queen. Nelson and I went and checked out Dairy Queen and their food is. It's it was a poor no, man's A&W. It's a poor man's A&W. Exactly. Exactly. I, uh, no. So if you're a Chicken Tenders fan, you are screwed. You are S-O-L'd right now. But, again, I'm going to Culver's for the Butter Burgers, not the Tendies. Rowdy, the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's look into our Twitter poll right now. At Zone Madison. It is a simple one. It's just your gut feeling what you're thinking. Bucks fans, how are we feeling about Saturday's Game 7 versus the Nets at the Barclays Center? We are over the 200 threshold right now, and my God, it's neck and neck for a while. The Nets were uh, taking the lead, but now the Bucks winning 51% of the vote. Going to the Bucks, stealing the game, stealing the game, the do-or-die game at the Barclays Center. Well, I feel like that uh, poll has been back and forth all morning. It has. It's, it's been right basically neck and neck. been, hey, Bucks by low 50s. Then it was the Nets by low 50s. Now I guess the Bucks have uh, come back and overtaken them. <clears throat> I think this is the stat. I, I've seen it a couple places. In fact, our guy Rob Reichel, our backer insider Rob Reichel from Forbes.com, had mentioned it too. The Bucks in franchise history have never won a Game 7 on the road. On the road. And last time I checked, the Bucks tomorrow night are on the road at the Barclays Center. And a lot of people have been asking me, like, is this is this the nuts kick continuum? Let's say the Bucks do lose Saturday in Brooklyn. Is it part of the nut kick continuum? <sighs> I don't think so. It's the second round. Well, I mean it is, but it isn't. It's like it's not you're getting kicked in the goodies. It's like, you know, when you had that a-hole friend, they'd walk around and you'd give you like a little tap in the goodies, or he'd flick your goodies. Remember that in high school? Or I think school? it is. I hated I think, that kid, by I the way. I think it is. I think it is for this reason. It's because the Bucks didn't play. Before the series started, I said Brooklyn in seven. Yep. I thought, well, I think a lot of people say, talent wins in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn has more talent than the Bucks, especially when you look at their top three players. So I expected Brooklyn to win. But then Brooklyn goes up 2 nothing, and you're like, man, this thing's over. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, you know, Kyrie Irving gets hurt in a game. The Bucks not only win that game, but then they definitely blow the doors off of the Nets in, in game two. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're locked up two to two. You have Kyrie Irving, who is most likely out for the series at that point with an ankle sprain. 
and you had James Harden, who nobody thought was going to play until Kyrie James Harden miraculously went from out to playing. Yeah, once Kyrie went down. And you're you're playing a beat up Brooklyn team, which at that point when it was two to two, that game five was pivotal because it was basically just going to be Durant and then if Harden was going to be able to play or not. And he turned out to be a shell of what he actually totally. is. I mean, it's definitely a kick. I think it's a kick to the goodies because of what you should have taken advantage of. I think it goes more to the. Okay, yeah, it is part of the nut kick continuum. Do you think the Bucks beat the Sixers and the and the or the Hawks, whoever they play? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you lose to Brooklyn and they had these guys out, it is a kick. I to think the it nuts. goes. It also makes the kick to the nuts against the Toronto Raptors even more harder than initially was, because the Bucks they had that series. It was a Chris Middleton shot away from them, you know, taking the edge, and then potentially, you know, we're probably what gone seven. Then and that was at the Pfizer. That goes back to that year when they were in the Eastern Conference Finals and how close they were, and then how you thought the next year was going to be the Bucks. There was a reckoning, you know, best record in the NBA. They're the one seed, and then no one thought, obviously, that there would be this global pandemic. NBA shuts down, and all of a sudden you go to the bubble, and the Bucks are just not even the, a shell of themselves. The Bucks had a, they still they still are in the window. They had this window. It's, you know, you got to go back to that Toronto series in the Eastern Conference Finals, and say, man, they almost had it. They were on the precipice. It just happened Kawhi Leonard, the claw, you know, just all of a sudden becomes the best player in the NBA at the time and then wins, you know, the finals. But, yeah, I mean, you had a moment with all the injuries with the Brooklyn Nets, and, hell, they could the Bucks could steal one. But with the way the trends are looking and the way no team has lost on the road yet and how Brooklyn just plays so much better in front of their home fans, look at what KD did, you know, came game five. God, Rowdy, the Bucks had the window, and if they do lose on Saturday, you gotta you gotta do something to blow it up. I mean, firing Mike Budenholzer, I think, is the easy answer, right? That's the obvious and the easy answer is is moving on. Because look at the Raptors again; they fire they fire um, who's the guy that won Casey Dwayne Casey, and then they hire Nick Nurse, and then they they literally fire Casey, coach of the year. Then the next year they win the NBA Finals with. Well, Nick you know Nurse. what else they did? They. That was the DeMar DeRozan. Not only did they replace yeah. the coach, but they shook up the roster. Because remember, those yep. Toronto teams were always DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. And those were like their two big players. And man, now that I'm thinking about this, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities between that Toronto roster and this Bucks roster. You had DeMar DeRozan, who was a great, great player. Great player. All-star. But remember what his downfall was? Shrunk. Shooting threes, yeah, in the playoffs. Remember, he he can't. He's like a he's like that uh, two point jump shooter. Yeah, he didn't have a three point shot. Kyle Lowry, who was the second best player, was the guy that shrunk in the playoffs. Kind of like what we've seen from Middleton a lot of times. Yeah, they fired Dwayne Casey, got a new coach. They traded Demar Derozan, and they brought in um, Kawhi Leonard. Wow, shades of they, the Bucks. They ended. But up, here's the thing, and they were always good. They were like a team that was yeah, always, always a contender, always but they could never get it done in the playoffs. Shook up the roster, shook up the coach. Look what happened. Okay, so if the Bucks lose, I think they have to take the same path. And if you remember when Kawhi Leonard came in, Kawhi Leonard and his camp, they were holding out from the San Antonio Spurs. They kept saying they had this like phantom injury, but he wouldn't talk to the media at all. And then he goes to Toronto, and Kawhi Leonard, by all accounts, I don't think was really happy with being in Toronto and you know playing for the Raptors. Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't it? They were like. He didn't even want to live there. It was something like Kawhi Leonard did not want to be in Toronto, but he still played and he's a true professional. And then as soon as he could get out, he leaves. You look at Milwaukee, and we always talk about this kind of like a bunch of the NBA superstars never want to go to Milwaukee because, you know, Giannis, he's there. Chris Middleton obviously is there. If you were to get – now, Chris Middleton played like a true number two or you could even say a number one yesterday. I mean, Giannis was a beast, but that's because Chris Middleton was such a beast. He scored 38 points on 16 shots. It's phenomenal. But, Rowdy, I think the Bucks always have that hard time of getting in a player that wants to be there. I mean, like, Kawhi kind of, like, ate it and went to Toronto. Who wants to come into Milwaukee right now? Because you always hear from the superstars, like, I don't want to be there. So they have an even more uphill battle than I think than the Raptors would if they fired Budenholzer. Well, that's another thing. Like you said, when they when they traded DeMar DeRozan, they had to trade DeMar DeRozan to acquire uh Kawhi Leonard yeah. because Kawhi Leonard probably wouldn't have went to Toronto on his own well-being just to say, hey, I'm signing with the Raptors. I think they got a good squad here. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to go there. Well, that's the same thing with the Bucks. 
they probably are going to have to trade somebody. And Chris Middleton's got a huge contract. Yes, Chris Middleton's does. the one that would free up a lot of money to be able to trade for a Kawhi Leonard type player. Now, obviously, you're going to have to be looking at a team that wants to get rid of a, a superstar type player like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. which there's not a whole lot of those type of teams out there because once you get a superstar, you don't want them to leave. Yeah. Now, this is all saying that the Bucks lose tomorrow night at the Barclays Center. Well, I think Budenholzer's fired if they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, too. Same. Uh, Budenholzer's maybe safe. Budenholzer is definitely safe if they win the championship. Same. <laughs> Budenholzer, if, I think even if they make it to the finals, I still think, and if they lose in the finals, I still think Booty's not completely well, safe. I mean, to put, put, to put all the haters to bed, you have to win the NBA finals. Well, yeah. If you make it to the NBA finals, I'm going to say the overwhelming majority would still be on his side. And still say, hey, hey, but you're always going to have your little pocket. Mm-hmm. Your pocket of people are saying, come on, no, get get rid of them. The guy can't win. But yes, if he if he goes down or the Bucks go down in the Eastern Conference Finals or even on Saturday, I think it's good night. Yeah, there's no doubt. But Mike Budenholzer, he did, and I hope, Bobby, I hope you're still listening. I'm going to compliment Mike, Mike Budenholzer right here. And you said you haven't heard of a compliment to Booty yet. Budenholzer finally was like, you know what, let's attack the paint, let's attack James Harden, let's get down low, let's have Giannis not shoot threes, thank God, and just do what got us here. Do what butters our bread, our butter burger. Get down low, pound. That's what they did. Chris Middleton also was phenomenal. It was it's a nice win last night for the Bucks. But can it translate to a Game 7 tomorrow at the Barclays Center? 